Hi, I'm Philippa, Social Work England's Regional Engagement Lead for the South West of England. Welcome to This is Social Work. In this series, we're focusing on the professional standards, the six standards that social workers must know, understand and be able to do as part of their role. The professional standards are specialist to the social work profession and apply to social workers in all roles and settings across England. In this week's episode, we're focusing on standard two, establish and maintain the trust and confidence of people. To kick off the conversation, I'm joined by Matthew, Regional Engagement Lead for the North West, and Catherine, Regional Engagement Lead for the North East, as we discuss our own personal experiences of building trust and confidence in our roles as social workers. And later in the episode, Catherine is joined by National Advisory Forum member IFI and Darren, a young person with lived experience of social work. They share their own experience of establishing and building trust in social workers and how communication plays a vital role throughout their involvement. We hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm Catherine Witt and I'm one of the regional engagement leads for Social Work England and I'm joined by my two colleagues today, uh, Matthew Devlin and Philippa Geddes. For me, this this standard really represents um, who we are and what we are as a profession and we aren't going to look at all elements of the standard. We're going to to focus on 2.4 and 2.5 and 2.4 is practice in ways that demonstrate empathy, perseverance, authority, professional confidence and capability, working with people to enable participation in discussions and decision making. And 2.5 is actively listen to understand people, use a range of appropriate communication methods to build relationships. And the reason why we've sort of picked those two out uh, as being really important is linked, I think, to, to some of the evidence that we're getting about why concerns are being raised about social workers. So in our fitness to practice um, process, we are seeing that the majority of concerns that are raised with us are about communication. And I think that's replicated in in many other areas of social work. If you look at serious case reviews and different parts of of activity, communication is always the thing um, that, that it boils down to. So we thought it would be really helpful just to focus in on that. The other element is about involving people in decisions about their lives and that comes up as a theme on a regular basis. Um, I've been a children and family social worker for about 20 years and involving children and young people in the decisions, the massive decisions that they, they make about their lives is something that they will they will constantly reflect on and come back to you um, and and feel on many occasions that they haven't been involved in those decisions and it is a real skill it is very difficult because sometimes you're making very difficult decisions about children's lives that is not something that they want but is is about protecting them so those are my sort of first thoughts I'm going to go to um, Matthew Matthew your thoughts on professional standard two I think for me, particularly standard 2.4, 2.5, it, it sits at the very top of what social work is about and essentially is the reason why I come into the profession. I come into the profession because I enjoy building relationships with people. I enjoy communicating with people. But I think um, for every role that I've had in my career, so the 11 years I've been a social worker, um, I think the importance of building relationships, the importance of good communication um, and the importance of transparent communication, I think, has, has sat at the very top of, of um, 
been positive in all those roles that I've had. And I think, um, and that's from being a frontline social worker, but now as a regional engagement lead, I think being able to communicate and build relationships is incredibly important. It's a skill. I think it's a skill that, that you develop throughout your social work training, whatever route that is. Um, but I think it's a skill that you'll never stop developing as, as a social worker. And I think I've learned a lot in my role now as regional engagement lead about how to maybe build relationships on that bigger scale. I suppose previously my practice was really focused on adults and uh, predominantly learning disability. And I think uh, I felt I was skilled in building those relationships and those using those relationships to have a positive impact on people's lives. But I think uh, learning how to do that across a, across an area such as the Northwest and with the range of stakeholders that all the regional engagement leads work with, I think uh, is really is really important for, for us. Um, but I just think for the sector generally and for the profession generally, building relationships just sits at the heart of, uh, of everything that I've ever done in my social work career. That sounds really grand, doesn't it? But I think um, that, that is the reality. I think all the good that has come out of the things that I've done uh, in the last 11 years has ultimately come from the relationships that I've, built, I've been able to build. Thanks, Matthew. Philippa? Thanks, Catherine. I think um, I would absolutely echo what both of you have just said, really. And I think communication is absolutely at the forefront of, of, of being a social worker. And I think, you know, it's really interesting, Catherine, that, you, you know, you've shared some of, some of the themes that come out of our fitness to practice concerns and that communication is often... Um, referred to and poor communication in particular and sometimes you know um, as a social worker myself I get really frustrated when I see evidence of poor communication and I absolutely appreciate that the sector's under a lot of strain you know COVID and the pandemic have really kind of pushed the sector and the people we work with you know um, to the limit but I feel really passionately that we should always be ensuring that we're doing our best to treat, to work with people, to be showing, to be empathic and to kind of ensuring that we're communicating the best we can. You know, I think it's really important and it's it's the least we can do in many ways. I think being a children's social worker, um, having good communication, you know, sometimes we have to have uncomfortable conversations with people there may be times where it's apps, you know, you know, part of um the the Children Act is about kind of the wishes and feelings of the child and ensuring that we work in partnership with parents. Um, and I think it's really important. All that in, entails good communication. There may be times when we have to make decisions or recommendations that may, you know, that families or children may not be in agreement with. Uh, but I still think you can deliver and have difficult conversations with respect. And humility and, and and absolutely, you know, that that difficult conversation can be done. You know, often parents will say to me, just be honest to me. You know, don't you know, often the amount of times we hear that families and children don't understand why they have a social worker involved in their lives. Perhaps, you know, we listen to stories of care experienced people who don't even understand perhaps why they were even in care or what their care history is. You know, if we if we can make sure we get good communication right, if people are included in 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 discussions and decisions around their lives, and if we're, you know, making a really conscious effort to listen 
to people and, and, and really respond to their communication needs. We use a lot of jargon in social work and some inappropriate languages. And I just think it's really important that we work hard and go that extra mile to try and make sure that people feel as inclusive and they understand because, you know, sometimes we can think people understand, but if we're not checking that out or, or, or really working hard to make sure they understand or we're having that good, you know, developing those communication skills, you know, that's when people get upset, they get angry. And, and that often can lead to, to that level of complaints and concerns being raised with us. So I think it goes, you know, I'd absolutely agree with both of you. It goes to the heart of social work, like you said, Catherine. And I think if we can get communication right, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, and I have to say, you know, hands up, I haven't always got it right, you know, and, and that's where the feedback and that's where hearing the voice of people with lived experience is really important. And I'm really pleased we've got two people today who are going to be telling us about what, you know, what good social work and communication, you know, has meant to them. Because hearing from those who've lived experience absolutely then makes us as practitioners, as social workers, be, you know, be better and improve. And, uh, you know, and it goes into sort of the work of Social Work England about, you know, that co-production element and making sure that we're listening to all people from the sector, but in particular people with lived experience of social work. I think uh, li listening is such an important one as well, isn't it? I think it's sometimes when you're thinking about good communication, you can just think of it in terms of that one-way thing, but I think that the listening bit's incredibly important i've always felt really privileged to sit in people's living rooms and and listen to him listen to them talking about them their struggles and their difficulties and their challenges and then working with those individuals to support them to make some of them changes but i think you're right i think our our roles and our regional engagement leads it's 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 important for us to listen to the sector and again i feel incredibly privileged to get that opportunity to listen to the sector to listen to social workers uh, take that back in take that insight back in and for us to have those discussions within the organisation to to um, hear what's happening in, in the sector, and I think that's uh, listening for us now is really important, isn't it? And I think it's uh, it's really important for the organisation as well. I think communication can come in very different forms and just listening to people or, or, or being with them and being present with them. And sometimes I think we get too bogged down in, in talking um, and, and, and being, as I say, being present is, is sometimes all you need to be. Uh, so understanding communication in, in all its forms um, uh, and guises and the right thing at the right time. And I think as social workers, sometimes we get a wee bit frenetic about about the talking um, and, and the, the problem solving, but, um, you know, good communication lets people go at their own pace and to, to, to really take control because we aren't going to be involved in their lives forever. And having that, giving those people the, the, the support to be able to um, work, work on their own issues and solve some of their own problems is really, really important. Well, I think that's a really good point um, to bring Ify and Darren in to talk about their views um, as people who've had social workers in their lives. Um, and we're really grateful um, for them um, to, to spare the time and to join us um, to give us their views. I'm really delighted to introduce two really interesting people that have agreed to join us on this podcast today. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, Darren. Do you want to introduce us, Darren, and just tell us how social workers have been involved in your life? Hello, I'm Darren Hamo. Uh, 
I'm in a residential children's home and so that's where social workers are involved in my life. And how long have they been involved in your life, Darren? Pretty much all my life, but not for the same reasons so each time. So now it's obviously more to do with the fact that um, Section 20 on a voluntary order and care. Brilliant. That's great. So we'll maybe get to ask you a few more questions about that, just so that people know if you don't mind saying what age you are. Uh, I'm 17. 17. That's brilliant. Okay, Ify, do you want to tell us who you are and, and how social workers have been involved in your life? Well, then, um, my name is Ify Wokoro. I was born and raised in Nigeria, moved to the UK. Um, this is just over a decade ago. And I was involved in a car accident in 2010 uh, that left me paralyzed in spinal cord injury. And that's really the first time I got involved with social workers. Um, it was in the hospital and pretty much since then. So all, pretty much all my social work needs have come from that perspective, that, that medical spinal cord injury disability sort of side of things. That's brilliant. So thanks for that, both of you. So today we're going to talk about um, Standard 2. Um, and Standard 2 for social workers is um, the importance of social workers establishing and maintaining the trust and confidence of people. And I think it's one of the most important standards uh, for a social worker because it tells them how to be a social worker um, and, and how they should behave. Uh, so I'm going to ask you both um, a bit about that and a bit about your experience um, of social workers that have worked directly with you. Um, and I'll start this time with Ify. Um, my question to you, Ify, is um, what has your experience been of being able to establish and build trust with your social workers if you have been able to do that? Well, so I haven't had um, social workers involved with me like right through the whole process, right, right through um, the, the decade I've had this disability. But every time they've had to step in um, were situations where I was in a vulnerable position. So straight off the bat, the need for uh, establishing trust and you know, um, making me feel sort of safe in their hands was pretty crucial. Um, the first time when I was in hospital, it came more from sort of not, not putting too much pressure on me. Um, the social worker let, let herself known. Um, let herself be known by me and let me know where to find her, that sort of thing. And she'd pop in just to check it, how I'm doing. Maybe sometimes, like, have a cup of tea with me, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I got to know her as a person first. Um, I, I was lucky to, ha like, be in that position, um, being in hospital with her where she was based. So by the time we actually started getting to the brass tacks of the technical side of things and what I needed, um, post post um admission which is really where the social work um intervention came in i was already comfortable with her and we got it was made very clear from the start that it was a case of she was there to help me not get to a point where i didn't need her anymore which i respected quite a lot um because that's almost like saying my job is to make sure that it, my job becomes obsolete that sort of thing um so it, it, it just made it feel more genuine that this person actually was there like for my needs and ever since then I've been a lot more open-minded with social workers since then but it's sort of been the same thing where I've been in a vulnerable situation and then 
they've sort of like had a discussion with me, had a chat with me on an informal basis and established who we were as people first before getting into um, the actual work. And yeah, that's how getting that trust has worked for me, really. That's amazing. Yeah. And hearing that sort of whole side of just building that relationship is is so important, uh, particularly in your position where it was a catastrophic event in your life um, and relationship are really important at that, at that stage. So thanks for that, Ify. So Darren, what about you? Have you been able to sort of have a social worker that you've built a good relationship with and that you've trusted? A bit of both ways, because it, like my social worker I've got now couldn't fault her, but like I just couldn't like, she's been good at building relationships. She does try and keep in contact, don't always make it easy (laughs) Uh, but in the past I wouldn't ever say it's anything social workers did I wouldn't say any of my past social workers other than there was one I worked with as but I was working with two at the same time a student and the student was really good at building a relationship and maintaining trust but like I'd say, it wasn't as much the social workers. It was that didn't make that aspect easy. I'd yeah, avoided conversations and I'd like I'd, my mum would tell me, all oh, your social workers come in and I'd just not be at the house all day and just avoid them. And why was that? Was it about them or was it about the fact that they were a social worker? wasn't them being a social worker. It wasn't even them doing anything wrong either. It was just their personality didn't work for me. Like, I have to quit. That's, that's absolutely, yeah, understandable. Um, especially when you're you're young, um, it really matters, doesn't it, that you get on with the person that, that's working with you? Okay, so another question I'm going to ask you both is about um, part of that's the standard is about been, being really part of decision making and you feeling that you're in control of, of um, what happens to you. And I think social workers get criticised quite a lot that they don't involve people enough, particularly young people. Um, and sometimes decisions are taken where young people or, or anybody really isn't fully involved in that decision. So just from your point of view, we'll go to if again have you felt involved in decision making um, and have social workers made that easy for you have they included you in in big decisions in your life yeah so I, I, I've been quite hands-on with um like, my, like living with disability from the start I, I did definitely have to be pushed in that direction at the start because well, I, I, I didn't know what, what life was going to be like out in the community in actually having to live with disability outside of a controlled hospital environment. But yeah, the social workers and all the medical staff, in fact, in, um, in the hospital made it a point of duty to um, encourage my independence, to you know, direct my own care, um, have a say in decisions that were being made. And it wasn't even a case of um, they were just telling me what, that, that I needed to do these things. When they were they started making some of those decisions, they tried to make sure as much possible that I was involved. So one of the big things social workers um, helped me de- do was 
transition back into university. Um, I knew I wanted to go back into university um, straight after discharge uh, as quickly as possible. But there, was, there were a lot of like technicalities um, in getting that like sorted out. So there were a few meetings um, with different groups of people involved in the process and as much as possible, the social worker would always um, like invite me to the meetings, make sure that um, they were on a day I was available. If there, were any re- if there was any reason I couldn't make a meeting, was possibly down to my health or something that was out of my control. But making it making it possible for me to always be able to attend those meetings if I wanted to, and then thank thank goodness I did because there were there were definitely some things that. Um, if I didn't get a say in how they panned out, it, things would have turned out unfavorably. Um, and I got to, you know, um, give my my two cents on what I th- how I thought things should go forward. I got to learn why things had to be a certain way or could or couldn't be, um, how I wanted them and make better informed decisions going forward. So yeah, I was definitely encouraged to um, take part in my the decisions around my life at the time and I'm ever grateful for that really. That's brilliant. Was has there any was there any decision that was taken without your involvement? Um no. So there were decisions that went different ways from um what I wanted. There were different decisions that I wasn't happy with, but there was a, a good effort made to help me understand why. I mean even at the time there were some things that I wasn't happy with or I wasn't um, happy with the, with the explanations I was given. When, well, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, but look, so looking back now, I can I can see where they were coming from. And even though there's some things I feel they could have still done a bit differently, but um, at the time, so they didn't have the insights I have now, like 10 years later. So um, in, in hindsight, it went a lot better than I thought it did. Um, but none of those decisions were down to just outrightly making them be made for me. It was always a case of this couldn't happen because X, Y, Z is in place, that sort of thing. Um, there was always an explanation whether I was happy with it or not. But at least I wasn't being left out of those decisions. Yeah, you were really included. Yeah. So, Darren, what about you? Have you felt included in all the decisions made about you in your life? Yeah, I've always, I've always felt pretty included, but but obviously, I also look at it, and even like sometimes I won't weigh up all the pros and cons. So, uh, when there is a decision getting made, I'm usually there. I am probably the one who puts the least amount of thought into a decision. So, although it would be pretty easy for them to make a decision without me, they've always been, they've always included me in like decisions that are going to impact anything. At the end of the day, at, or at least my social worker, I don't know about everyone's, but just want to do what's best for the young people they work with that that's great um how many social workers have 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 you had in your life about six six so that's quite a lot if how many social workers have you got to know 
gotten to know two. Um, uh, yeah, just 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 the two, and I've probably worked with um one other, possibly. Yeah, I've, I've only really worked with two social workers. Both really good place to make your observations about your your own experience of that. If you had to sort of choose, would you would you want social work contact in person, or is it quite okay over over technology? You know, using technology. I can think of situations where it, it would. I prefer to have it in person, but um, in in my head, those tend to be more crisis situations or situations that um, tend to be a lot more sensitive. But oh, this is just my imagination. Thankfully, I've not had to deal with any sort of negative situations like that. There might be other situations I can't think of, but um, as it stands, um, I'm quite happy just doing things over the phone. Um, I'm comfortable with things going virtual video chats and all that and it's, it's more a case of I'm comfortable with what what they're with what 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 they are comfortable with um so yeah I, I, I wouldn't put a preference on either um again as I said it's not really been tested I need to diversify the ways I communicate with them so um, I'm, I'm good at whatever at the moment I actually prefer the ringing I also think sometimes it is nice to see each of us. So I think mostly, especially now with me and my social work, uh, it's uh, as and when, like I was speaking to her in my lunch break today, like we don't really arrange calls or stuff. Or if she wants to see me, uh, we struggle to see each other on weekdays anyway because I've got work. So she'll say, I'm free this Saturday, uh, like two days before. Are you at your mum and dad's? Because she work, she's based near my mum and dad. And uh, we'll arrange to see each other that way. So it's more uh, casual rather than making it, like setting up meetings and stuff. It can sometimes be a bit too much like, Darren, can I ask you a question about um, you being in there, like they looked after of you when people are talking about you and communicating across the sort of table? How does that feel? All right. You're always in it and everyone speaks to you quite respectfully. It's just most of it's about everyone finding out what you want and what's going to benefit you and what needs to happen. Just small stuff like medicals, they can talk about when you want to move out, all that type of stuff. So none of it's bad and everyone there makes you feel comfortable. That's great. Thanks, Darren. So we're going to just, we're going to, I've got another one question to ask. But before we do that, I'm going to put you on the spot and say, you two don't know each other. Is there anything you want to ask each other? Oh, I was, oh, one one thing that does come to mind every time I come to, come to contact with anyone who's had social work um, intervention from a young age. Um, like I was twenty when I had the accident, and I always used to think, "Oh, wow, that was really young." But then, maybe people like you who've um, obviously had that from much younger. Um, I'll say, how 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 do you think you're finding transition from? childhood to teenagers and how do you think it's going to go going forward with social workers 
there's actually a plan put in place for uh, this. I'll have a, I'm working with someone called a leaving care worker and she'll completely take over my social worker as soon as I turn 18. And so I'll work with her up until I'm 25. And then after that, I'll practically just live, obviously, like any other adult would. Uh, are, are you looking forward to that? Are you, are you nervous at all? I've not really thought about it, obviously. That's quite a while away. I'm, I'm My social worker I work with now, like I only started working with her when I had moved to the local area. So around the same time I got my social worker, a couple of months after, I had my leaving care worker working with me anyway. So I've got a good relationship with both of them. That's brilliant. That's great. So you feel quite confident about the future? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the last question, um, and I want you to sort of think about this one. We really want social workers to be the best they possibly can, um, and we want to support them in that. But if there was three things that you thought thought was important for a social worker to know or be skilled at, what would those three things be and why? Ify, will I put you on the spot first? <laughs> Yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, I'll, okay. So first thing I'd say is probably patience. Being patient, not just with the service user, but also with the situation as a whole. As as a lot of people would know, they don't tend to be very easy or straightforward. Also, being patient with themselves, and you know, not piling that pressure on too much if things aren't say going the right way. But yeah, patience is a big deal for me. Um, with regards to anyone who's who I'm in their care. Second thing I'd say is probably um, self-care. That That's probably like my top one for social workers. Just the better frame of mind my social worker is, the better service they can provide me. So from an individualistic point of view, from a um, selfish point of view, um, like I'll get a better service if they um, are well taken care of. But also from their point of view, they'll, they'll be able to do a better job and come out of it a lot more satisfied and got more fulfilled from doing their job. Darren, the most important thing for social workers? I'd probably say managing their time pretty well in terms of although you have your working hours, like my social worker now says to a boss, like as a conversation with a boss and she's like, I understand that these are my working hours, but um Darren wants to schedule in a conversation but can't talk on it in my working hours because he's at work himself. So can uh, I take a few hours off one of the days and put them on to the Saturday and go out and see Darren? So like managing a time there, uh, it benefits not even just young people, the people they're working with. Because not everyone can do every time. Brilliant. So putting into to your lifestyle as much as, you know, not nine to five sort of thing, um, really important. Yeah. Any other important things, features of a social worker? I can't say I've seen it a lot, but I think a social worker should be straightforward. 
I think that it's better to get the point across and potentially upset the person you're working with than tiptoe around it and then still end up with the same outcome. Be honest and, and, and straightforward, yeah. And then I'd probably also say, uh, let the person you're working with kind of take the lead. It's more like if I was talking to my social worker and she was constantly butting into every last sentence, I'd probably get fed up and I'd just leave it and be like, so need to be able to listen as well. Brilliant one. That's fantastic. So iffy. The third one that came to mind was um, being open-minded about you know what what you could face out there and when we we hear the words open-minded usually we think um maybe to someone whom you may not be you may not agree with on a fundamental level whether it's their beliefs or their actions they've taken but much of that is important and not trying to take anything away from that type of open-mindedness also thinking of things like like Darren said um having a client who may not be able to fit in the time that you're working hours being open-minded to think outside the box and, you know, being open-minded to different situations that a social worker may find themselves in, not necessarily um, something to do with the clients, but more with their environment, something to do with um, the people around them, their family, that sort of thing. And it's not a case of having, just sticking completely by the book. Uh, that makes it sound like I'm saying if you break rules, but no, this it shouldn't be too rigid with their approach to their clients and every situation is different every case is different every service user is different so they're just being open-minded to you know things possibly not being how you may think they are when you first take on a case oh that was a really insightful discussion ify and darren thanks ever so much um really positive response in terms of, you know, just your views about social work. And that's really great to hear. It's not always the case. Um, and we promise we didn't, uh, we didn't give them the script, um, but it was really good to, to, to hear that. And I think lots of food for thought as well. Um, certainly one of my like moments during that conversation was, uh, was from you, Ify, um, where you said that the most important thing you thought a social worker needed to have um, was patience. And I have to say, I was, a, I was a little bit taken aback. You know, I was thinking of all sorts of things, but patience wasn't a, a word that necessarily jumped into my head. Um, but I've thought about that, you know, just during this few minutes. And and I think it is really, really important. And I do see the importance. Um, and it's patience is a, such a hard thing to have as a social worker. You know, we're expecting families to, and people to change and do things very quickly at our pace. But actually, that isn't how we achieve sustainable change. Um, and we've got to let people, you know, go at, at, the, at their pace. Um, and there is something as well about organizationally you know, we're under a lot of pressure to, to close things and get things done. So being professionally patient is, is hard in the context that we're working. Uh, but for me, it's about having that inner patience and to really offer to people, um, you know, 
the opportunity to 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 work on their own lives and and for them to take that that on when social work isn't present in their lives. Um, so there's there is you know it has been a really I think really insightful to to, to use the word patience, uh, and it's maybe not something as I say that that social workers are are necessarily well trained at um, or, or or good at. But I'm certainly going to think about it um, from my own perspective. So thanks for that. So, Philippa, any top tips or anything that sort of struck you making this podcast? Thanks, Catherine. I think um, there's lots of things really in terms of top tips. I could probably reel off a list, but trying to think what's really pertinent. Um, I think, again, I think you really touched on it before we um, at the beginning when you talked about, and I think, Matthew, you said it as well, about the value of listening. And, And I think it's about looking that communication comes in many forms and I think um, really, really being reminded of that and, and thinking about those different ways we can communicate with people. And sometimes, you know, just being and spending time with people and not always going in with an agenda. I think be, often in statutory social work, there always needs to be an aim of 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 purpose of the visit or the meeting or but actually if we're talking about building relationships some of that's being you know spending time with people some of the best conversations I've had with young people have been when we've been driving somewhere or when we're just walking out of a meeting do you know what I mean or where you know we're we're, you know I'm going to take you know I'm taking them somewhere taking them to you know to have um, family time or or to see um to meet someone new so I think it's about just remembering that the value of communication can come in many different forms. Um, And just to also always think about maybe sometimes be the social worker you would want to have, you know, and think about how that is received, because um, I think that's really important. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to talk about listening as well. And I talked about this on Twitter a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago. and, And it was something that my very first practice educator said to me, and this was, 14 years ago now and it has stuck with us and and she was a brilliant social worker and she said very early on in my placements this was my first 70 day placement it was it was my first big placement but she said very early on learn how to listen to people and that has stuck with me for the last 14 years and I probably didn't understand it at that point I didn't understand the importance I didn't really understand what she truly meant and there was probably lots of other information that was being given to us at that stage. And I was a bit overwhelmed by everything first placement. But I think that, that building that skill, I think, was so important. And I think in that placement was was with, with, with older adults, which was a completely new area for me to, to enter into. And it was ultimately the area of social work that I went into when I first um, qualified. And, and that has stuck with us in every role that I've had learning how to listen to people, whoever that individual is and whatever their circumstances are um, and whatever circumstance you're meeting them in, I think just listening to, to them, spending that time truly listening as well is a skill to develop um, and I think is sometimes overlooked. But I think for me that that remains a really important part of, of my professional life but that my personal life as well. Do you know what I mean? Listen to my children, listen to my wife. All those things are really important. So it certainly stuck with us and had a really profound impact, I think, on 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 me as an individual and and me as a social worker. And I think uh, 
that has to be my number one because it's it certainly had the biggest impact on on me as a person. That's great, Matthew. And actually, when both of you were talking, you know, it, it, the patient's bit filtered in again, you know, and actually we can't expect that good communication to happen immediately. We've got to work at it. We've got to develop it and we've got to uh, make it right for the people that we're working with. And I suppose the, the thing I probably would like to end on, um, and it was something actually um, that sort of resonated with me, I think quite early on in my career, was relationships change lives. You know, without a relationship, you ain't going to do very much social work. And sometimes that will take time. And sometimes you think it's time you haven't got, but without it, you aren't going to affect any, any meaningful change. And that's what social work is. Thanks again to Ify and Darren for joining us today and sharing their personal experiences of social work so openly, as well as Matthew and Catherine for adding their own perspectives. If you enjoyed the discussion and would like to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn using the hashtag ThisIsSocialWorkPod to share your thoughts. You can also find out more about the professional standards on our website. Join us for our next episode where we'll be talking about Standard 3 and what it means to be accountable for the quality of your practice and the decisions you make as a social worker.